this is the Wellnergy Podcast. I'm Sarah Pickin-Brown, Integrated Movement Specialist, Wellness Coach of 20 Years, and former pro athlete. Every week, we get down and dirty with all things fitness, nutrition, and mental health related, with an array of special guests who share their incredible stories, nuggets of advice, and answer your burning questions. So grab that drink, get comfy, and let's dive on in. So folks, it's Monday and we're back again with the Wellnergy podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Pickenbrown, and we're really very lucky because our next guest has a wealth of knowledge that she'll be sharing with us, not only today, but also diving in a little bit deeper into the Wellnergy Festival in September. She'll be presenting uh, on the Saturday. She spent a 20-year career as an international runway model and has been a guest judge and industry expert on shows like Make Me a Supermodel, Britain's Next Top Model, How to Look Good Naked and Model Behaviour, to name just a few. She was fascinated, uh, according to her bio, with non-verbal communication and life experiences in the modelling industry and as well as personally prompted a deep dive into researching human behaviour a little bit more, which saw her working over the last 20 years with people like Paul McKenna, uh, becoming a certified clinical hypnotherapist. She also worked with Dr. Richard Bandler, becoming his assistant for 10 years and a qualified NLP trainer. She also is a personal development coach and practitioner on the digital wellness platform Jaiyo, which was founded by Deepak Chopra. She has become a havening technique practitioner and will be going through some of this particular technique with us today. Uh, and which was founded by Dr. Ronald Rube, and is currently completing a certification program with the renowned Dr. Gabor Mate, specializing in trauma and addiction. She's been quoted as saying, the most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself. And we are very lucky because she is here with us today, taking time out from her very, very busy clinical practice, both uh, in Harley Street here in London, but also has a clinical practice in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills. I'd like to welcome to the Worldly Podcast, Michelle Paradise. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Wow, that's a tough act to follow. <laughs> <laughs> You've done an awful lot. I know. It's when you hear it all put together, it's quite daunting. But yes, that is me. That is definitely me. So thank you very much for incorporating all of that into uh, your description. We're thank very, you. very lucky to have you presenting for us at Wellnergy and, and talking a little bit about what you're going to be doing and what you have been doing uh, with us here today. Tell me, in terms of um, moving from being in the fashion industry and a runway model and now working in a clinical practice um, in helping and coaching people and in therapy what was the transition for you with that changing changing careers so so opposed to each other seemingly it would appear so but actually they're both to do with modeling uh, one is modeling behavior and the other is modeling clothes. So that's that's how I jokingly bring them together. Um, very quick story. I was backstage getting ready for a fashion show. My makeup, a makeup artist was doing my makeup and I was talking to her about um, a phobia I had. I won't go into it because I don't want to anchor that for anybody, but I had a phobia. 
And she said, wow, I've got a friend who's on Harley Street and he does these things very quickly. And I said, I don't believe it. Anyway, she gave me his card. I called him up and I saw him, I think the following week. And we had three sessions and my phobia disappeared and various other things changed in my life quite dramatically. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, it's called NLP. And I was like, what is NLP? Neuro-linguistic programming. So a bit of a mouthful, which is why we say NLP. And I was fascinated by it. And he said, look, there's a, there's a course being taught in a couple of weeks. Paul McKenna leads it. Dr. Richard Bandler, the co-creator of it, is also going to be there teaching it. You know, I'll send you the information. And that was it. I never looked back. So the first year I did my uh, practitioner. And then the second year I did my master practitioner. The third year I did my trainer's training. And um, then Dr. Bandler who is based in the U.S., but used to come back and forth to London um, before the pandemic. And Paul McCann invited me to be their um, assistant. And I did that for about 10 years and worked with thousands of people, training them in NLP. There's a big part of NLP that is also uh, hypnosis, uh, thanks to Milton Erickson. I won't go too deep into that now. So I uh, wanted to really enhance that. And I then I studied to be a clinical hypnotherapist, as you mentioned. So that's how I got involved in it. But really, I'm a communicator. That's how I describe myself. I'm a, I, I'd like to think I'm a supreme communicator. So as you mentioned, nonverbal communication, um, being a model is being an actress without lines. You have to portray an image of, you know, um, glamorous or sporty or elegant or whatever, but you can't say anything. So I learned how to use my body and my facial expressions. And as I was studying um, uh, NLP, I, we do something called physiological calibration, another mouthful. But that means that what we do is when we work with clients, we are physiologically calibrating them. So their breathing changes, their skin tone changes, how they sit, how they sometimes mirror and match us so we can mirror and match them. So it, it actually isn't a million miles away from, from uh, modeling. And um, it, I think it actually helped me because I got a lot of time. The thing is, when you model, you, you're on for about a half hour in a fashion show, and then there's hours of time not doing anything or waiting to have your hair and makeup done. So you have a lot of time to study people. And I'm a good studier of people. So that it really, um, it's a great fit for me, definitely. So what sort of clients would you generally work with? Is it mainly based in phobias or is there other things? Well, when I began, I was quite interested in that. But then I, um, as I did more training, I really wanted to get to the core issues with people. And unfortunately, um, most of the things that happen to us that we experience and that become perhaps negative emotions or patterns or behaviors are laid down in childhood between the the ages of zero and seven. Those are our most formative years. And um, we're like sponges and we just absorb our environment, which is called epigenetics. So what that means, I'm sure some of your listeners know, but just for some of you who don't, genetics do predetermine you know, our eye color and hair color and other things, but not as much as we think. So it's the epigenetics, the environment that we grow up in that really informs. So for example, the first romantic relationship you're ever exposed to is that of your mother and father. 
and it's not unusual for a person to like myself for example to model my father and kind of look for him as I grew up and went out into the world in relationships and uh, that was my template at whether that be good bad or indifferent so it's things like that. So I was very interested in that. And I wanted to get more into childhood trauma, which is the area I really focus on now. And I use all of my skills and my trainings uh, blended together to get the best results for my clients. What prompted you to start working with Dr. Gabor Mate? Well, I was, I had a great basis in NLP. So I understood how to get people, you know, to have better futures. And then I was doing hypnosis, which deals with a lot of the past and a lot of the unconscious or subconscious part of the brain. And then I was introduced to Havening. And that was really going deep into the um, events in life, because there's something we call event havening. So that's literally an event in life that you're kind of stuck in that pattern of uh, negativity or pain. And uh, along the way, I was reading uh Dr. Bezel van der Kolk, he's another big specialist in trauma, and Dr. Gabor Mate. And I thought, wow, I'd love to work with one of these guys. Um, and there are many more, but I just didn't have the opportunity to. And he came to London a couple of years ago, Dr. Mate, and he did a presentation. With, and I just, I don't know if you've ever had that moment in your life where you think you found that key to that last door that you wanted to go through to give you the information or the insight into something that you're really passionate about. And that was that moment. And um, it was very emotional. I know it sounds strange, but it was very emotional when, when everything kind of comes together and I met him and I, you know, I spoke to him briefly and then uh, I was told that he had a course coming up called compassionate inquiry. So I've been training with him for the past um, 18 months for certification and it's just it gets me to that place where um i know there's people talking about inner child work and all of that but but the difference with this i believe is that you do the inner child work in a very compassionate way in a very forgiving way with lots of gratitude so there's no blame to the child there's no blame to the family it's just about being curious and discovering our um, coping strategies and survival strategies and then choosing to do things differently in the future because you heal that that stuck child I don't think we're broken I really don't I, I don't actually like that term I think we're just stuck in behaviors and these methodologies help us to get unstuck it sounds like a very um a very compassionate as you say approach but also where by removing things like blame it takes the heat almost out of out of the situation and allows I would imagine the person experiencing the troubling behavior and the outcomes of troubling behavior that perhaps they're locked in um, mm -hmm. it, it gives them an opportunity to um, see another way but also not be angry or mm -hmm. um, what am I trying to say um you're doing great well to to kind of let themselves off the hook like they they remove yep. themselves from the blame as well so yes. therefore there is no heat to the situation there is no blame there's no fault it is simply just moving forward 
that's it in a nutshell. What happens very briefly is when we're born, all of us want three things to be seen, to be heard and to be loved and validated within that. Um, and for whatever reason, our parents aren't always able to make that emotional connection, not their fault. There may be health issues, mental health issues, financial issues, marital issues, which disconnects them from us. And what the child does, and I'm really simplifying this, is the child real thinks I can't make these people happy or that person happy, that parent happy. So it must be me, I'm not good enough. And we then go into a lot of patterns of adapting our personality to survive the world, to navigate the world. And we then, and you Brits have a great expression, which I'm going to use. Um, we do it maybe for the first seven or so years of our lives. And then it passes its sell by date. And we get to a point where it just gets in our way. And we're, we're, we're really stuck because now we're not children anymore. We're adults having relationships and jobs and um, financial issues and things like that. So a childhood coping strategy cannot serve us, does not serve us as an adult, but we don't know that. So I always say awareness is the first step to healing. And that's, that's what I do. I help people be curious and without blame, without shame, without guilt to themselves mainly and to others. Absolutely. There's nothing to be gained by blaming people. I think we need to move away from the blame society that we found ourselves in. And, and also the, the, the cancellation. Um, I've heard the term cancel culture is what, yeah. what we're in the middle of at the moment. If, if something's so true. to be blamed or if something's not agreed with, we have to cancel it out. And there's no, I don't really see a, a space or a place for, for canceling out somebody else's experience or somebody else's um, view on things based on their experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a very compassionate way of working with clients in a very gentle way. And, you know, as, as I believe all people in the psychologies, well, I'll speak for myself, we're not there to fix people. People fix themselves. I'm a guide and I have lots of methodologies and things that I can offer them and, and they commit to the, um, to the healing. Um, we're not because you know, if you see somebody once a week, there's all those other days in between that you have to get on with your life. So that's why it's a self-healing approach. And it's a beautiful approach. I love it. And how it's really brought everything I know together. How often would you tend to work with a client in, a, in any given week? Is it a once a week kind of scenario? Or do you see people every day? Uh, no, I, this work is very deep. It, it doesn't look deep on the surface, you know, um, but but after a session, people, I will always recommend for them to have at least 15 to 30 minutes to themselves to do nothing, to just allow themselves to process it. Um, I have I've had clients that have insisted they want to see me twice a week because they want to speed it up. And I said no. And they said yes. So I allowed them a couple of weeks of doing that. And then they said that wasn't a good idea. So sometimes you have to let people go there. But to answer your question, um, in the beginning, I usually see people at once a week for four weeks. And I see people over a period of 12 weeks so we can carry on with that. Or sometimes it's every every two weeks. To, and it gives them a chance to do the work that they need to do. Because I always give them, I don't call it homework. I call it home fun. I give them resources, digital resources. I also record, um, <clears throat> as I'm a hypnotherapist, I will record 
things for them to listen to, to help them. They're very bespoke and tailored to their needs. So yeah, it's very intense work, but it doesn't look like it on the surface, which is a good thing. And it's about safety because all humans want, all of us want is to feel safe. We want to feel safe. We want to feel emotionally safe, physically safe in relationship with whoever we're in a relationship with. So my, my role is really to create a safe space, which is why it aligns so well with Havening and to hold a compassionate space for my clients so that they um, feel safe to do the work. We will go into the Havening technique in a moment, but I, I speaking sure. about the feeling safe, we've just gone through, well, we're still in the middle of it. We're coming out of it here in the UK of various lockdowns in this global pandemic and a time in human evolution, in human history, where we've felt the most unsafe both globally but also potentially on an individual basis and the studies coming out that I've seen recently in statistics of you know domestic violence cases going through the roof um, anxiety depression suicide rates going through the roof because people don't feel safe uh, mm -hmm. in their own environment is just been huge what has your experience been particularly working with clients but also your own personal experience of this pandemic um, well, big question. Um, my experience with my clients has been very interesting because um, I identify this as a, um, a collective trauma and a collective trauma is unlike any other kind of trauma because we tend to have when we're when we're in a traumatic situation, we tend to have people to go to um, for solace and understanding, but we don't because we're all in the same as somebody put it. I wish I'd said this. We're, we're, we're not in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm in different boats. And we don't have that person to go to or those people to go to because we are aware that other people are experiencing some form of that as well. Um, I've seen my clients reconnect um, in an unconscious way to old traumas that they had forgotten about. And then they come to me and they're really activated and they don't understand i mean i'm talking about 70 some year old people that had forgotten about something that happened 30 or 40 years ago and there it was because collective traumas and traumas will activate old wounds which is what trauma means in in greek it means wound so um those wounds that that you experience as a child can rear their ugly heads uh when you are feeling unsafe because Traumas are usually, I would put my hand on my heart and say 100% of the time, connected to not feeling safe for whatever reason. You didn't feel safe. So you can imagine that something like this is really going to activate that. I've particularly um, seen a lot of my clients are millennials, um, just the way it is, which I'm very grateful for. I think they're fantastic. I, well, I like all my clients, but I have a lot of millennials. And what I've really noticed is how hard they have been working without breaks it's this sort of unseen pressure and I think it's you know possibly to do with wanting to keep their job not knowing the, the the uncertainty of whether their company will survive so they're working really hard and I um, a friend hired me for a Christmas present to his team to work with them and they were all millennials and I instead of just going in and doing what I was going to do I started talking to them and every single one of the team of 12 people were struggling some of them didn't remember to drink water they didn't remember to eat 
they were working 12 hour days and the man who hired me, their boss, wasn't putting this pressure on them. So it's been very interesting to watch. And this is the last thing I'll say. Um, I'm a very optimistic person. However, the lockdown was the easy part. The hard part is coming. And what I mean by that is we talk about boundaries a lot. It's one of those, those trending words at the moment. And we're going to see people with very different boundaries coming together. And that's going to be difficult. That on just one level, you know, like, do you have your mask on? I have my mask on. You're too close to me. You know, and it's going to be all this sort of unspoken stuff. There's going to be a lot of anger and rage, which I'm not wishing, but I've seen it already. And um, I just think we're going to, it's going to take time for us to find what we feel safe and comfortable with on a psychological level again. And absolutely, I work, um, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm in a room that is about life after suicide and the suicide rate is so high, so high. Um, and there's all of the people that are left behind that, you know, are struggling with the people that they have lost in many ways. So I think this is a time for a lot of healing and a lot of compassion and being um, especially kind to each other, even if you don't understand the other person's boundaries. Um, some some patience and understanding will go a long way. Do you think that the amount of discord that's happening at the moment with inequality, whether it's sexual inequality or um, the racial inequalities that are being highlighted at the moment, do you think that this is coming to be a global conversation as loudly as it is because people have been in this global pandemic? Um, I'd like to think so, and that would be one of my wishes because I'm a, of an age where I was around when women's liberation, shortly after it started, I was coming up, you know, teenage years, and I really saw it, and I was very excited about it, and I'm sorry to say it doesn't look like we've made a lot of progress on that front, but, you know, I have a lot of hope. Um, I think this is the universe asking us to pause. This is my spiritual um, uh can't think of the word at the moment, um, ideas I have around it. I do think it's, uh, I, I believe in karma and things like that, which is another conversation. But I do believe that the universe is asking us to pause for a reason. And we, sh we ignore that at our peril. I think it's a very important time to, um, we, we were made to stop, literally made to stop our lives and slow down. I was thinking today the term fast food uh, we didn't, you know, fast food wasn't a thing in, during the, the lockdown because it was all slow food. You know, we were, that's why people started cooking that never cooked before because they, they had time. So, you know, they hopefully nourish themselves better. But I think we've had a lot of time to reflect and that will have broken down some relationships, not just romantic, but, you know, familial, platonic, whatever. And I think we've had a lot of time to... Um, which is the work I do actually to sit with ourselves and allow ourselves to process the pain from the traumas or whatever it is that we've experienced. We can't avoid them. You know, what we do in our world is here we are as a child who's got stuck and then we grow up and we distract and distract and distract and go on our phone, eat a meal, go to film, whatever, or we get angry with that child, you know, and that doesn't motivate 
any healing. That doesn't help any healing. And the only solution is to get into communication with that, that stuck, hurt child and see it, hear it, and love it, which is what it needed the first time around. So that's what I think this moment has given us. And I hope that some of us have used it wisely. I'm sure they have. Seeing, hearing, and loving the situation and the experience is um, very, very important tip there. Now, you were going to go through some havening technique with us. Can you give us a little brief explanation of yeah. what it is, uh, other than what you've already done so far, and then guide us through these very simple steps, because I'm, I'm quite amazed at how simple but how powerful this technique is. Mm. I'll spare you all the science today, because that can get quite deep and complicated. But Dr. Ronald Rudin, and ironically, it's his birthday today and his twin brother, so it's both of their birthdays. But Dr. Ronald Rudin was uh, the creator of this. And he's, um, uh, as he explains it, and it's probably the easiest way to explain it, there are three pillars of healing. And he sees this as the third pillar of healing. So the first pillar of healing is the psychologies. That's all the talking therapies psychotherapy, psychology, psychiatry. Uh, the second pillar of healing is the psychopharmacologies. So those are the medications that people take, like um, SSRIs, like Prozac and things like that, and benzos, to alter their mood physically, so that you take the pill and then it changes the serotonin and things like that. So he was looking for a better way. I'm not in any way discrediting those, but I tend to be much more into organic and natural healing methodologies like acupuncture and and massage and things like that so this is a psychosensory therapy so it brings the mind and the body together and it we touch parts of our body that release the highest levels of delta waves now delta waves are our deep sleep and healing stage um, you're in a delta wave hopefully hopefully every night when you go to sleep but you can you can manifest those delta waves awake and the three parts of the body are the face um so it's like butterfly kisses on the face and if any of you can see me doing it now it's like this and then it's the shoulders to elbows in a circular motion coming back up and the hands is if you're just wiping sand off your hands and you could do that on your lap. You wouldn't be holding it up like this, but for the sake of this. So those are the three parts of the body. And this is very much connected to self-soothing. So you'll see people that are upset and distressed. They'll hold their head in their hands. They'll play with their hair. They'll stroke their hair. That's soothing because there's a lot of delta waves up there. That's one of the highest parts. Um, you might sometimes see in psychiatric wards or a very very upset child will hug itself and sometimes rock. That's very self-soothing. That's the second part of the body. And a lot of us will um, squeeze our hands together when we're upset, wring our hands, pull our knuckles. You know, these people do that awful sound. But we, we literally wring our hands. So these are three places that we self-soothe. And they studied this on very premature babies in uh, neonatal ICUs. And when they couldn't be touched, they, they ended up holding their face in their hands. That was one of the things they did. They hugged themselves or they clasped their hands together in a fetal position. So it's all there. You know, Mother Nature is telling us this. 
So what we do is when I work with a client in the good old days, before I couldn't touch people or be in the same room, I facilitated that for them. I would, with their permission and clean hands, of course, I have lots of hand sanitizer in my office. I would stroke their face, do shoulders to elbows, back around again, or their hands. But actually, there's been such a benefit to all of this because I now work on Zoom exclusively and um, they do it to themselves. And it's actually much better in a way because they learn it instead of me doing it and going, now, when you go home, I'd like you to do this. And they're like, well, I didn't really do that much of it. But when you do it like this on Zoom, they're doing it and I'm doing it with them, which creates mirror neurons. So... Um, it's, so when, you, when you say mirror neurons, just for, for the listeners out there who have no idea what that is, have never heard that before, explain that just briefly. Well, the word mirror, so we're like reflecting back to each other, these neurons that we're downloading, um, which are in the brain, neurons, neurological, neuroplasticity, um, and we, so it's, it's stuff that we're releasing. And we're, when I do it with a person, when I self-haven myself and they're copying it uh, or mirroring me, I should say, for the sake of this, they're getting the benefit. We're literally passing the energy back and forth to each other because we're all energy. I mean, that's quantum physics. That's not anything. Um, and that's, that's very scientific. Everything is energy. So when I'm in that space with somebody, even if it's a, you know, my clients are all over the world, that could be six, 10,000 miles away we're still creating that space of sharing that energy and it does work. And that's what I love about it is I can do a session with somebody and they can go home and carry on the healing and carry on the treatment. They don't have to wait to come back and see me. And that's what I think healing really does look like. And that's how it works. So we're bringing the mind and body together. So what happens very briefly, I have something, I have a very, I have the number one self-havening video on YouTube if anybody wants to see it. Um, and this is what I do. It's called event havening and an event would be something like, um, you've had a row with somebody. I don't suggest you do anything big and traumatic because you need to work with a practitioner like myself or somebody else for that. And, uh, let's say you, you know, somebody cut you up in traffic or you got a parking ticket and you're really activated. So you think of that thing, you, you, um, measured on a scale it's called subjective units of distress SUDs from zero being nothing to 10 being highly activated and maybe perspiring racing heart whatever and um, you start the havening and you just haven yourself and you start counting that's a it's it's got distraction techniques inbuilt in it so it's always best to count backwards because we're not used to counting backwards. So it's even more of a distraction. If you count forwards, that's easy, right? And um, so you're, you're havening, you're doing the self havening like this. You're counting, you might start at 30. Imagine yourself taking steps or walking along the beach, 29, 28. I won't go all the way there. You go all the way down. And then um, as I, as I, coach people in this video keeping your eyes closed move your eyes laterally to the left or in this case that would be to the right and to the left and to the right and to the left three times each you keep your head still and you just move your eyeballs and then you hum a couple verses of a nursery rhyme so these are all ways of distracting 
people say, why do I have to do that? Well, you're in a delta wave state, which is a safe space. And the word havening is the um, transitive verb of the word haven, which means safe place, right? So it's allowing yourself to be in a safe place whilst you revisit something that was traumatic. Is this all making sense? I hope it is. And um, allowing yourself to release the GABA from the brain, which is also creating delta waves, which is like a natural um, drug of releasing the happy chemicals, the endorphins. So you're moving away from adrenaline and cortisol, highly activated, to dopamine, oxytocin, things like that, serotonin, calms you down. And you do this about two or three rounds. Every time you finish a round, you measure it. So maybe you were at a 10 and you might've come down to an eight. The next round, you might've come down to a five. You do it as many times as you need. And then you'll begin to feel this peace. And when, and this is my favorite part, when I facilitate people, I say, so, so we're now down to a one or a zero. And they'll say, yeah, yeah. And they're kind of looking around. I say, so, you know, remind yourself of that situation, conjure up that situation. And they're kind of looking around, darting around. I said, what is it knowing what the answer is? And they're like, I can't really see it anymore. I can't, I can't, you know, it's just, it's kind of blurred and it's sort of like a pixelating screen. And that's when you know that, that it has worked for them. And the beauty is if they feel activated again, they can just do something called affirmational havening, which is you can choose a word like safe, 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 safe. If you're struggling to sleep or you wake up in the middle of the night, which a lot of people do and they can't get back to sleep, just prop yourself up on a couple of pillows, do mid body like this, shoulders to elbows and say things like I'm sleepy. I am tired. I am cool. Maybe you're really hot. Um, and what I love about this one is you fall asleep and you wake up in the morning hugging yourself. So that can't be so bad. I've done it for my blood pressure when it got very high and I'm usually low and I put a blood pressure cuff on and I measured it. I did seven to 10 minutes of affirmational havening. My blood pressure went from 178 over 125 down to about 128 over, uh, I think it was 75, 80 in 10 minutes. Wow. wow. Because it can really calm you down. Okay. Now, I'm not a doctor and I'm not saying this is going to cure high blood pressure, but it's something you can use if you're feeling really activated. As I say, something happens on the street or somebody says something to you that's really distressing. If you work, if you want to work with large traumas, or what we call complex post-traumatic stress, because it's layers of maybe childhood, which is where um, my area is. Um, you really do have to work with somebody because what we do is we tailor make the, the process for you. So we'll, we'll do all the different types of havenings and join them up. So there's event havening, affirmational havening, outcome havening, um, transpirational havening birth havening there's a lot of trauma that happens in birth in utero and as we're being born I had a very traumatic birth so I know that and that has really helped me to um, down regulate and process some of those things and it's uh, some of the other psychosensories that your your followers may be familiar with is EMDR that's a psychosensory therapy um, TFT EFT. Um, but then there's another category which might interest you because I know you're really into yoga and yoga is a psychosensory therapy. 
massage is, uh, music. So there, it's when we use um, our mind and our senses, we're really engaging our senses. And it, it's a healing process for us. So involved, but so interesting. Now, in terms of your own personal well-being and cultivating your own personal well-being, obviously you're extremely self-aware and are going through an ongoing process of discovery for yourself mm. and that's also impacting the clients that you work with what is your daily routine just as a bit of an insight into michelle's mm. daily routine for maintaining your own balance because as a as a practitioner as well you're giving so much to your clients that if you don't fill the well back up it can be problematic so yeah, it's a great question i do this process in the morning before my feet hit the floor which i teach a lot of my clients and I connect with my younger self. And um, I just will lie in bed and I will put my hands on my heart space or wherever it feels right for you. And I will see her, hear her and connect with her and see how she's doing and what she needs. Because when our inner child is feeling safe, we're gonna have a pretty good day. And we get activated by the things we get activated. Um, we'll always track back to something much older you know much more to do with our child so i i see it as like you get up and have a shower a bath and you brush your teeth so let's cleanse the inner child and let's get her going when i'm in la i love kundalini yoga i used to go to a class it's like my favorite however um uh i'm super busy at the moment and i used to do 90 minute classes and i could do them online but now i just do my own yoga practice sort of blending things together mm -hmm. and as often as i can i meditate but i see that the morning thing is a form of meditation for me because it's very meditative and and it's very peaceful and it's um being very present and i am um, you mentioned deepak chopra i was uh his deepak sorry i was uh i'm his personal development coach and I was trained by him in, in certain areas and he was talking about meditation and I just love this and I always want to share this with people. I think a lot of people think they do meditation right or wrong and as he explained it to us, there is no right or wrong. It is a practice. So if some days it doesn't feel as good as the other days, it's not wrong. You didn't fail. That's not what it's about. It's not competitive. There's no goal to reach. It's about the presence with self and um, creating that space. And self-care is a big buzzword at the moment. So all of these things are very much parts of self-care as I see it. And, and certainly as we start coming out of the situation that has been for the last 12 months and moving into an unknown world, it will have changed. Things are yep. changing and none of us are really all that sure of what we can expect being able to be present with self is such an important tool for our own mental health and well-being and being able to be aware of other people's um, health and well-being as well and, and mm -hmm. passion into it. Yeah, I think that, and you mentioned at the beginning, the, our relationship with ourself is the most important. And I have a lot of clients that want, they have relationship issues and all that. And, you know, why do they come see me? Because it's not about their relationships. It's about themselves. We have to heal that relationship or begin to heal that relationship with ourselves, which is the younger child that is stuck. And then all of our relationships improve. So that's really my message is about 
um, doing that. And I like to give people things for free, like havening. All you need is clean hands. You don't need to pay anything, do anything. You can just sit quietly. And I've got many other videos on havening on my channel, which is my name, but it's Michelle with one L and two E's, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. My mother has given me that for the rest of my life to have to spell and uh, paradise. So it's on there and please come join me. And um, yeah, and and get in touch. Come and join you in September in Oxfordshire. You can get your tickets. I can't wait. I am such a, having been a model for 20 years on the catwalk, I love being on stage, even if it's a little stage. (laughs) I, I'm so looking forward to it because if I may say, can I give everybody a little idea of what I'm going to do? Absolutely. We'd love to. Yes. I'm going to not go into too much detail about the science, but I'll touch on the science of, of havening. Cause I know there's people that really want that. I'm going to then, um, teach you all how to do it there and then and the mirror neurons in the room will explode okay because Paul McKenna did this at the UN and it was just amazing to watch it was filmed it was just amazing to watch and I've done it with with groups as well and then I'm going to ask one lucky person to come up and join me wherever that is on stage or wherever I'm going to be and I'm going to do a live demonstration of it Um, and I know it works so I'm completely comfortable with that and I will ask, answer questions. And if I have time, I would even do maybe another person if they want to come up. And I'll demonstrate as much havening as possible. It costs you nothing but the entrance to come to the show. And uh, you'll be able to take away so much with you. And you know what's so beautiful about havening is it's really great to give it to others. So maybe you have a child that gets upset. You can haven your child, your baby, your toddler. You can teach your teenager how to do it. Maybe you have a parent with dementia or Alzheimer's. It's such a beautiful thing to do for them, to haven people that are struggling with health issues in any way. I mean, it just, it has no limits and you can do no harm with it. Oh no, I'm so excited. And I think that uh, all of the the ticket holders and the guests that will be coming will have a real treat coming and experiencing that with you. So folks, get online wellnergy.co.uk and you can buy your tickets right now and uh, book on for Michelle's havening technique uh, workshop and also any questions that you have she'll be spending at least 15 minutes doing a Q&A with everyone in the room and uh, we look forward to seeing you there in September what have you got planned over the next few few months well, um, thank you for asking. I'm starting, a, I'm starting a membership site and I've never really used my name. The whole world uses my surname, Paradise, but I thought for, for once I'm going to do it. So it's called Finding Paradise and it's, it's about your journey to self. And um, I'm starting a membership group uh, this, this month. So watch this space or whatever space. And um, I'm, what I, my goal, Sarah, is because I know there is going to be so, so many mental health issues and struggles and anxieties and depressions is I, not everybody can afford to see a therapist one-to-one and they don't have the time. Um, So I'm creating a very uh, low entry membership site. So I want to reach as many people in this world to give them the tips and the techniques that I know and be there for them on a monthly basis to, to connect with them live and also to create a community. So I'm calling it, it's a compassionate community because that's, I think, what we really need. Community heals. And I really want to create a community 
of healing people so we can support each other. And that's the only way out of this, as I see it. Thank you, Sarah, for inviting me on this journey with you today. Really, I'm, I'm honored. And I'm so excited to be somewhere live with people I breathing and talking and maybe even hugging. Who knows? We might get a chance to do that. No, I'm, I'm so looking forward to it. I can't tell you. I haven't done a live show for a couple of years, almost a couple of years now. So I think this is going to be amazing. And I love what you guys are doing. Very honored to have you there. And thank you so much for your time today, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you.